Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam. Pharmacists to care. And good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining me, Kathy Kayla, for the Discam Medical Monday. Now, uh, yeah, it's, you know, coming up to the end of the year and we have more time on our hands if we take leave. Also, there's a lot more social engagements. You know, you've got a party here. You might have your custom, your your um, business Christmas party, end of the year party, and uh, you know sometimes <laughs> you've got to kind of dodge dodge the bullets, especially where bad habits are concerned. And um, just in fact, it was just last week that I was speaking to my co-host on the afternoon, Simon Anstey, about smoking. He he said. You know, he gave up smoking many years ago and, you know, he's seeing people with vapes and it looks so cool and it often smells so nice and should he get a vape? And I was like, what are you talking about? How can we even be having this conversation? It is terrible for you. So I thought, you know what, maybe we need to kind of put smoking, non-smoking back into our conscious minds just so that you don't think, well, you know... It'll just take one drag. Yes, it will take one drag, and you will be addicted all over again. Even if you've given up for 10 years, um, you're just opening up a can of worms that you don't want to. But I'm not the expert. The expert is a gentleman by the name of Peter Yuko. Uh, he has uh, he is the CEO of the Tobacco, Alcohol, and Gambling Advisory and Advocacy Group. That That is a very, very long title, Peter. Welcome. It's even longer than that. You left out one word. What? Tag, tobacco. Alcohol and Gambling Advisory Advocacy and Action Group. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just to make it a real mouthful. But we deal with the three major legal addictions, tobacco, with nicotine, really, alcohol, and gambling. All right. So uh, I met Peter years ago. And for any smokers, when you buy a box of cigarettes, it has on there a warning. Smoking co- Warning. Smoking causes cancer. Warning. Do not smoke and breastfeed. That's my favorite one, actually. Um, you know, um, all these different warnings. And you were part of the group that actually got that onto cigarette onto cigarette boxes. Yes, we were militating for that a long time. Ban on advertising, having health warnings on packets. Unfortunately, those health warnings have been there since 1995. And they're certainly not good enough and not effective anymore. We've been militating for getting them changed. And certainly when Australia went to plain packaging, which we now call standardized packaging, in 2012, December 2012, they went to plain packaging, i.e. no branding, no colors, no logos, just a plain pack with a brand name, brand X, brand Y, no fancy script, and large graphic health warnings on the pack, which will tell the truth. Ours, at the moment, they do tell the truth, but people have got inured to the fact that they've been there around a long time. They're just words. We need to have pictures, not only of the damages that uh, smoking is and can do, but of the dangers of smoking and the other messages, because it's not only the harms of smoking, but it's things like monetary effects. It costs a lot of money. It wastes a lot of money. Overall, we need to tell the truth, and those health warnings must come. The bill is at the moment going through uh, a process of analyzing public hearings, uh, public comments. It was published in at the end of 
July. Yes. And the deadline for comments, I think, was the 8th of August. And the Department of Health is at the moment analysing those comments. Eventually, it'll go through public hearings in the provinces. This and is for smoking. This is for the graphic health warnings on packaging as one of the measures of changing the legislation in the current bill. But it's also of doing away with all indoor smoking, as an example. Where, where are you allowed to smoke indoors? You're not well, allowed to smoke indoors anyway. Well, you can. At the moment, the regulations permit an area fully enclosed within, say, a restaurant oh, right, or public like that, place. like that smoking lounge the, at the airport. Yes, 25% of an indoor public place can be smoking, but it must be enclosed. It must have its own ventilation. There's a few rules. Want to do away with that, as an yeah. example. Smoking distances from doorways. All those other things which are not in our current Act and are not empowered by a current act will be empowered by the bill when it becomes law. That's going through the process now. So interesting. We have to tell the truth, and that's what the graphic health warnings and other messages uh, for health and cost to society, <laughs> not only to the smoker. Because there's a huge what is the cost, cost to society? <laughs> I can't give you a number, but it's, it's multi billions. Why? Well, public hospitals and medical aids for those who are members have to pay for the damages caused and the illnesses, disease, death, disability caused by smoking and by tobacco products. All right. Public health costs. Let's talk about some of those conditions. What sort of conditions? I mean, we've got emphysema, obviously. We've got lung cancer, obviously. What are the other issues? All the the chronic obstructive pulmonary conditions. Lung cancer is one of them. Emphysema is another. And they basically mean death. But it doesn't matter. It so aggravates heart disease. Heart disease, yes, diabetes. coronary artery disease. It aggravates diabetes. It, look, you know what happens? The chemicals from tobacco smoke get into your bloodstream. Yeah. Where does your blood go? Now, All let me ask you, another, that's it. <laughs> There's nowhere that your blood doesn't go. And so those chemicals, toxins, can we just stop for a moment? Do you know how many chemicals are there are in tobacco smoke? No clue. Okay. I'll give you a number. I'll give a moment for the listeners just to think about a wild. All right. So we're going to come back to you in one in one minute. How many how many chemicals? Maybe you know. Maybe you want to guess. But to join the conversation. How many chemicals do you think are in cigarettes? Three four five one nine. That's a text line. You can also WhatsApp on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Apparently the WhatsApp is working now. Secondary question. Yes. Of those chemicals, how many are toxic? And of those chemicals, how many cause cancer? So give us three numbers. And can I say this to everyone who's listening? Please think wild. Think crazy. Think almost insane when you think of the number of chemicals in tobacco smoke. All right. So three questions that Peter is posing to you. Join the conversation. And it's three numbers that he's asking for you. How many chemicals do you think are in a cigarette? No, right. not in the cigarette, in tobacco uh, smoke. Oh, in tobacco smoke. So it's not even in the cigarette, it's in the tobacco smoke. Correct. Okay, that's important distinction. Okay, in tobacco smoke, so this isn't a, a household fire, this is a t- tobacco smoke specifically. How many chemicals in tobacco smoke? How many of those chemicals are toxic and how many... Of those cause cancer. Okay, so three numbers. Please sign your name and uh, we will get back to that in a little while. I'm speaking to Peter Yuko. He is the CEO of TAG, which is the Tobacco Alcohol 
and gambling advisory, advisory and advocacy. advocacy and action group. That's the part, action. But <laughs> advocacy is just important and advising, of course, because we have a lot of knowledge. We have a lot of colleagues around the world, research partners, who give us information which we can pass on to, for example, government officials and the cabinet and advise them on what policies to introduce Yes. based on science. Okay, so give me an example of that. Well, let's talk about the graphic health warnings on tobacco packaging. Right. The truth is that if you have tobacco packaging that's exotic and colorful and enticing, and today they have holograms on them, they have all sorts of wonderful advertising gimmicks to make them look attractive. And you know that people are married to their brands. Oh, I smoke brand X. It's because they like the color of the box or the shape of the well, box. It's not only that. I think it's the same with washing powder. It's the same with toothpaste, yes. deodorants. You know, we, we we kind of lock onto a brand, whatever it is, not just cigarettes. And the packaging is a large part of that lock-on. Yeah. And the the elements of the logo and the branding. So if you do away with all of that and you have plain packaging, so on a dull brownish background you have a script that is designated in the legislation standard font of a standard size and color that says brand a or brand b that takes away those elements of enticement and brand identity because people do identify with their brand you know some brands are kind of sporty some brands well are it's elegant. so true that you say that when i was growing up peter the coolest ads at the cinema were those Peter Stuyvesant ads because it always showed these people who were leading this incredible lifestyle, right? And they would go skiing and then they would be deep sea diving in the in the Red Sea and then they would be, I don't know. On yachts in the Mediterranean. Exactly, exactly. And then at the end of the ad, they would light up and it would be about, you know, Something about Peter Stuyvesant. Yes. Um, All lies, when the world of is your oyster. <laughs> right. All lies, of course, because what happens the when irony you smoke, today is that you stink, are, are, you get sick, No, but the you irony die. is that they, they're schlepping oxygen tanks around with them. Yes. <laughs> you see that, isn't it <laughs> Do you amazing? remember about the Marlboro Man as well? Well, most of the those… The Marlboro Man, he died of lung cancer. Do most you of them. That? There were several actors who played that brand and other brands. They all had kind of cool cowboys, you know, the tough, rugged guys. Most of them died of lung cancer. And we have an advert which shows two cowboys on their horse, each on their own horse. Yes. And in the next one, the question is, who's, who's dead? Because there's a horse and no cowboy and another cowboy on his horse. So is the cowboy dead? Because the third picture we have in the series is that the horse is dead. Because your smoking can kill the horse. And I say that because you have pets in your home. Oh, your cat gosh. and your dog and your pets are susceptible to the poisonous chemicals and carcinogens in tobacco smoke in your home. By the way, as are your children. But when you smoke, you're killing your pets. So the rugged guys who promoted brands and got paid handsomely for it, most of them died of lung cancer. You know what? When we know better, we do better. I remember seeing um, a vintage ad from the 1940s, I think it was, and it was nine out of ten surgeons smoke camel. Do you remember seeing that? Yes, and you know how that happened? 
Very simple. No clue, but, it's, but when we know better, we do better. We do, but let me tell you how that came about, because essentially the statement was true. But what they did was they went around to doctors in an area and gave them a carton of that brand. And you went back a few days later. I, I don't, cigarettes do smoke? <laughs> you notice I don't mention the brand because I don't want to promote any of them. They're all bad. They're all killers. And yes, then they went back a week later and said, what brand are you smoking? And of course, they were smoking that brand because they got a free carton within the preceding week. And the truth was nine out of ten doctors smoked that brand at that time. But they were given it free. Even doctors who didn't smoke said, okay, because they didn't know better at the time. You know, we're talking about the 40s and 50s. Sure. Uh, Luther Terry, the United States Surgeon General, came out with his report only in 1964 about the link between lung cancer and smoking. And Richard Dole, by the way, a UK researcher who died recently, Sir Richard Dole, came out in 1950 with a very clear statement about the link between smoking and lung cancer. People ignored that largely until, and it was hidden and argued about by the tobacco industry, but people ignored that to a large degree until Luther Terry came out with his Surgeon General statement in 1964. Positive link between smoking and lung cancer. Wow. And then things started slowly to change. So where does this actually leave the tobacco industry? I mean, is this an industry that has been lying to us all these years <laughs> in order to get us to light up? Do they put chemicals into cigarettes to make it more addictive? Yes. Do they? Yes. For example, ammonia. You know the difference between cocaine and crack cocaine is that crack cocaine has been treated and it's more addictive. Now, nicotine in tobacco smoke, when you have the nicotine and you change the pH levels, it becomes almost like crack cocaine. It becomes like crack nicotine. So okay. it's more addictive. Hold on, hold so on. So you add ammonia, change the pH, nicotine becomes more. So these are the additives to cigarettes? Are these the additives? You want me to list the additives? I can't. You know that in England about 10 years ago, they published some legislation and they indicated, I think the number was 693 additives to tobacco in a cigarette. Like sugar, like wine, like... If I were to ask you who's the biggest consumer in South Africa of licorice, you would name a sweet company that manu manufactures what we call licorice, all sorts. Yes, beacon, yes. But in actual fact, it's the tobacco industry because they add licorice to cigarettes. What do you mean? And I don't like licorice. It's there because they want to ease the, the harshness of the smoke in the throat. There are hundreds of additives. And by the way, the bill that's currently going through the public process... <coughs> is going to take care of what additives may and may not be put in tobacco products. All right. Let me tell you, uh, I actually just went and I did some research, if that's okay. Um, well, I just looked it up. Okay. A few of the ke the chemicals in tobacco smoke. Acetone. Yes. Also found in nail polish remover. Yes. Uh, if you just take one whiff of that, you'll know what uh, what that smells like. Arsenic. Acetic acid. Yes. That's an ingredient in hair dye. Ammonia. They put ammonia in, as you said. To change the pH. Um, arsenic. That's used in rat poison. Yes. Benzene. That's found in rubber cement. Butane. That's used in lighter, lighter fuel. Lighter fuel, yes. So now I want to ask you something just before I go through the rest of the list. Um, 
there was also another additive that was put. I, I think one of the things that they add is saltpeter, isn't it? Saltpeter that they add so that it burns better and more evenly, or something like that. And yeah. then they and then they changed it because people's houses were burning down. You know, what happened there was they added into the paper so that it continues to burn even when you don't suck on it. And because if it Let's say you took a puff, and now we're having a chat, so we're not going to be puffing on our cigarettes, and then it goes dead. Yes. So to have the next puff, you have to light it up again. And then you're having a little chat, and it stops burning and dies. So you want another puff, you've got to light it again. Nobody wants to do that when they smoke. The cigarette must constantly burn until it's burned right up to the tip, and only then will it stop because there's no more tobacco left to burn, but it's the salt paper in the paper which keeps it burning and smoldering. Yes, so they add that. But now, they've, but now they've added something else that if you don't drag on it for a certain amount of time, it will go out. It should go out, and that's by putting little ridges uh, like speed bumps in a, around the circle of the shaft of the cigarette so that if it smolders up to that point and it's not puffed on, it will die at that point. And it's because of fires caused by discarded Cigarette butts. All right. Uh, the ABCs of all the different additives um, that is at, that's added to cigarette tobacco, right, by tobacco companies. Just so that you know what's in your cigarette if you are a smoker, and I do have to declare here that I am a smoker. I've been smoking for more years than I have not been smoking. I started smoking when I was 13. And, yeah, I'm going for hypnotherapy to get off it. Because I just I've tried the cold turkey and I've just become impossible to deal with. But you won't be impossible forever. If you are impossible, oh, you'll no, get I think past sometimes that. it's just part of my nature. <laughs> okay, um, cadmium—that's an active component in battery acid. Correct. Carbon monoxide—that's released in car exhaust fumes. You know, if people gas themselves in the car, it's that's carbon, carbon monoxide that, that does it. Formaldehyde—that's actually used in embalming fluid. Hexamine—that's found in barbecue lighter fluid. Lead. Why would they add lead to cigarettes? There are things that the tobacco industry does that people don't even know because they are researching in their labs all sorts of things. Now, the lead can come from many sources, by the way. It can come from... Could it be a, bu- a byproduct of something. It could be a byproduct of something. It could come out of the soil and the fertilizer into the tobacco leaf and then end up in the cigarette and in the smoke. But whatever it is, and there really are hundreds of additives, some with long chemical names that you and I would never understand, but they're all there for a reason, and the reason is to make the, broadly, to make the tobacco smoke less harsh in your mouth and your throat, and to make it more palatable to smoke, and to make it more addictive. <laughs> it's, it's the only company in the world that manufactures a consumer product, or the only range of companies, an industry, that manufactures a consumer product which, if used as directed by the manufacturer, will kill more than half its users. Think about that. You have toothpaste. Use it as the manufacturer says, and that's fine. You have shoe polish. Use it as the manufacturer says, and that's fine. It doesn't matter what it is. Washing powder, everything, hair dye, shampoo, eyeliner. Use it as the manufacturer directs, and it's fine. It's safe. Tobacco? Cigarettes, it'll kill more than half its users. We spoke about those adverts, by the way. I want to just hit back at that. They never tell the truth about the product. They tell the truth about lifestyle, which is not the truth. Because you don't have those lifestyles because you smoke. 
because you smoke is why you may not have those lifestyles and die. It's the same with alcohol, by the way. There's not one advert of alcohol that tells you what the product does and what it contains. Yeah, they sometimes say lemon flavoring because they've got these new things now. But it's all lifestyles. It's parties. It's being happy. That's what they're selling is a lifestyle. Correct. Yeah. And it's all false in my view. But isn't it true about the same with gambling? You know, if anything, anything negative, you're selling the sizzle, not the steak. Correct. That is one of the fundamentals of, you know, of marketing because sometimes it is difficult to, for advertisers or for manufacturers to tell the absolute truth of their but product. But it should be a requirement to tell you know, the truth. Take this, take this pill, yes. and it is going to give you major headaches. But <laughs> it'll stop your nausea, or whatever the case may be. Well, in the gaming industry, like all the others, they tell some half-truths or untruths or outright lies. Oh, well, Sun City, we will rock you. Not only that, Do you remember what do those they call ads? it? I remember those ads, and they don't call it a gambling place. Because gambling implies risk. Gambling implies the possibility of loss. Mm. It is a gamble. You know, we talk about, are you going to do this or are you going to do I'm not so sure. That's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? Now, in the casinos, it's a huge gamble. What do they call it? Gaming. Oh, lots okay. of fun and gaming. It's actually gambling and it's risky. But you asked me earlier about the tobacco industry and lies. You know that there's an act in America called RICO, the Racketeering Influenced Corrupt Organizations Act. I'm not familiar with it. It was designed specifically to prosecute the mafia. Racketeering Influenced Corrupt Organizations. Hey, that's the mafia. That's the Cosa Nostra. That's the bad guys. The first prosecution under the RICO Act designed for the mafia was the tobacco tobacco industry. industry. They sat in court and... They got away with one lie because of an insertion of a little phrase. They were asked, and the response from, I think, 23 executives of tobacco industries, and they were asked all individual, do you believe that nicotine is addictive? Sorry, the question was, is nicotine addictive? And the answer was, I believe that nicotine is not addictive. I believe that nicotine is not addictive. Well, it's my I believe. Belief. Yes. It's my so belief. They got it's away my with right telling a lie. to freedom of expression. But if you read the summary That's of incredible. the. incredible. So, so they got away with it. F- with that, yeah. which to my view is perjury. But the I believe got them off that hook. But if you read Gladys Kessler, the judge summary, mm. the judgment was something like uh, 1,750 pages. But the summary is worth reading, and it's not madly long, but she's very clear in that summary that the tobacco industry for decades has lied, and worse, that they've colluded with their attorneys to cover up those lies, and they continue to lie even to this day. Even here locally? Well, they'll say, yes, they'll say things like, we believe, there it is again, children should not smoke. The youth and children should not smoke. Mm Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, if you go to secret industry documents. How would know, I even find well, secret industry documents? There is a legacy that? website which came out of the RICO case and other court cases that industry documents were made public. Yeah. So we know that they marketed young people and the children. That's an absolute given. Because here's the reality. What happens to smokers eventually? Let's say they get half of them, more than half of them, get lung cancer or emphysema and they die. Die. 
What happens if they don't get lung cancer and emphysema? They still die. Correct. So it's guaranteed. Actually, <laughs> actually none that, of us none of us beat that one. That's the wonderful truth. So if they quit, or they die from smoking, or they live until the end of their natural life and die anyway, all smokers die. And if that happens, they got no more customers. So they target the youth, and you know what they call them? Replacement smokers. They know that their clients are going to die, so they have to replace them. How do they replace them? With young kids and the youth. Have there been any court cases here in South Africa where the government has taken, you know, tobacco companies to task? No. Because smoking does seem to be growing here in South Africa. Well, smoking combustible... Amongst the youth, and I think that it's very much a... Yeah, maybe it's even before you get to your gateway drugs. Well, what has happened is that in South Africa... The smoking prevalence has been dropping since the early 1990s. And today it's thankfully quite low, but we still have a way to go. Smoking prevalence today is around about 16% of adults, and adults means over 15. That means less than one in five of adults in South Africa smoke. It varies in age groups. It varies in provinces. Social demographics. Social demographics. But overall... It's gone down from approximately 37% in the early 90s down to when the legislation came into force. Remember, you could have a smoking area, and that was in 2001 it came into force, but the regulations are published in 2000, that you could have a 25% of your floor area as a smoking space. And that was based on the fact that at that time about 25% of adults smoked. Most restaurants have done away with that. And there you are. because It just wasn't worth it anymore. It is not worth it anymore. In fact, it's bad for business. And that's why the new legislation, which will entirely do away with indoor smoking Mm. and control it outdoors, because it's dangerous even outdoors. And the new legislation will take care of that, because today less than 16% or around about 16% smoke. But not only that, Peter, even as a smoker, if I go into a restaurant, I don't want to sit in the smoking section. I want to smoke where there's no – I want to eat where there's no smoke around – my food. That's exactly why restaurants have done away with it. That's and all new restaurants, uh, I don't know of any that have got smoking areas. Yeah. And large groups, I'm not, again, not going to name names, but large franchise chains build their new premises now with no smoking areas. And well, they're doing away with old you, ones Spur. when they renovate. <laughs> <laughs> there are Message coming through. But the tobacco was- industry lies about all of that. Read Gladys Kessler on the Rico case. She was scathing and in beautiful language that will make you want to read more of this astonishing judgment and indictment in the tobacco industry. So what did they have to do? Were they fined? They are giving money and over a number of years, and again, I don't know the exact sums, and this goes uh, other cases as well, providing money for public health and uh, all their documents had to be made public. That's how we know that they call the youth whom they target replacement smokers. Very interesting. There's a website on the Legacy Foundation, I don't know the exact address, where you can find a lot of those industry documents. We were talking about the impact earlier of of advertising, and it made me wonder how much of this is generational. You know, are we seeing less, less youth picking up a cigarette because it's not seen as something cool? If you want to have a cigarette, you have to leave your posse, you have to leave your group and you have to go and have it outside or away from everybody. You are missing out. It's, it's depriving you of the experience. And the, this new or this younger generation are very much into 
um, experiential living. Try everything, yes. do everything. So um, I just want to go through one of our messages. Um, unfortunately, unsigned says it was your international passport to smoking pleasure. Do you remember? Yes. Peter Stuyvesant was your international passport to smoking pleasure. Um, Actually, it was your passport to an early death. Well, Peter, just <laughs> says, and that scene of them diving into perfect azure waters in a cave is got what got me smoking. Yeah, it was such a cool thing to do. I was such an idiot. Well, there were three phases. I was phases. such an idiot to have started. It was, as you said, cool to smoke. <laughs> that was the phase. Then it became not cool to smoke. But you had to smoke. Now it's cool not to smoke. Yeah. The non-smokers are the cool dudes these days. I know, it's revenge of the nerds. It's wonderful. We have a problem, however, that in the youth, whilst more and more youth, especially if you take graphic health warnings on standardized packaging, yes. more and more youth are making the decision not to start smoking because of the packaging. We know that. It's a contributory factor to reducing prevalence and tobacco use. But youth are now switching, some of them, to vaping, and that may be a discussion right, for another show. No, 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 it's not. Let's talk about vaping. Let's talk about vaping because, um, as you heard me mention, my co-host on the afternoons, wonderful guy by the name of Simon Amstey. Yes. Um, last week, is it? Maybe he should get a vape. It's the end of the year. He's going to be traveling, but he gave up smoking years ago. Why? 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 You know, pick something up like that. And that was my answer to him. Well, he said, but maybe I was wrong. But maybe I was wrong. Maybe there's nothing wrong with vaping. Oh, there's a lot wrong with vaping. What's wrong with vaping? It It smells delicious. Oh, yes. And And you've got all those (laughs) different flavors. You've got caramel and you've got toffee and you've got cappuccino. Craig, you know all the different vaping flavors, right? I mean, you've got peppermint and you've got Turkish delight and you've got – it's just incredible. Exciting, isn't it? It's very exciting. isn't it? It's except, wonderful. Except that they do that because they know that. And so you think, let's take – start with the word But vaping. what's wrong with vaping, Peter? What's wrong with vaping? Lots yeah. of things. What? Let's start with the word. Vaping is – a euphemism for sucking on an electronic device because they're no longer just electronic Vaping, cigarettes. it's like vapor. Oh, you yes. Know, when, you, when you go to the doctor and you've got bronchitis and he says, well, just vape, you know, just, um, you know, just... On a vaporizer. T- on a vaporizer, uh-huh. right. And there's so the I'm, first I'm danger. See- I'm seeing... There's the first danger. When we say vapor, we naturally think water vapor. Yes. And really, that's not so harmless. It's like a humidifier, doc- Donna. Yes. It's good for you. <laughs> that's a wonderful word to cover up a host of evils. Oh, I vape. Isn't that so wonderful? There are no more electronic cigarettes. It's a huge device that on which you suck, which contains chemicals, and we don't even know yet what is in them because there's so many manufacturers. So what happens and some of the dangers are that young people start vaping because or using these electronic devices, let me not say vaping because it's not nice. It's not pleasant to vape. It's ugly. Even if it doesn't have nicotine, because apparently there are there are these little vape or these vape machines that do not have nicotine. Okay, let's talk about kind of like smoke. a hubbly bubbly. Oh, well, hubbly bubbly does have tobacco, right? And that's another danger, a huge danger. But let's take it at simple human layman terms. You suck on this device and then you blow out dense. Plumes, huge plumes of smoke. Yeah. A lot of stuff you can see there because it's dense. What do you think that is? 
Those are chemicals that you can see. That's particulate matter that you can see. But there's lots of chemicals that you can't see, similar to tobacco products. You can't, you don't know what's in that smoke, and we haven't got any answers yet to our question. No, we haven't. Um, Peter wanted to know, how many chemicals do you think are in tobacco smoke? Not the tobacco, the tobacco smoke. I'm just going to leave it at one question. Okay, SMS me on 34519. Those SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Or you can WhatsApp me on 061-895-1019. Just hazard a guess. How many chemicals do you think are in tobacco smoke? Wild guess. Wild guess, yes. So let's go to these electronic nicotine delivery systems. And Firstly, is it regulated? The, the new bill is taking care of that, yes. The new bill is in fact called the regulation of tobacco products and electronic nicotine delivery systems and electronic non-nicotine delivery systems because you mentioned non-nicotine yes so with the nicotine we know it's addictive here's the huge risk young people start smoking it or the sucking on those devices because they are such wonderful exotic flavors and you let's try that one oh you want to try mine pina colada yes <laughs> sounds wonderful all chemical by the way because there's never been a pina colada or whatever it's made of or coconut or any of those fruit flavors strawberry never been anywhere near that product it's all chemical chemicals got to tell you something that it contains Solvent is usually uh, uh, propylene glycol, and that... How can this be legal? Well, it's legal because it just kind How of happened. How can it be legal, Peter? It shouldn't be. But here's the risk, as I was talking about, that youth start smoking those things because of the flavors, and then they get addicted to nicotine. As with many drugs, you need more and more of a hit. So you suck harder on these devices. You ingest and have more smoke into your lungs. And then eventually it's not enough, so you change to combustible cigarettes. For smokers, like Simon Anstey, he's an ex-smoker. No, he, yeah, he's an ex-smoker. Ex he doesn't smoke now. Yeah. But he has the addiction to nicotine, and the memory is still in his system. If he starts sucking on a device and he gets nicotine in his body, the relapse rate of back to combustible cigarettes is quite high. And that's a huge danger. We shouldn't allow that to happen. That's why the product should be regulated. And youth going from vaping, which it is not, it's sucking poisonous chemicals into your lungs from an electronic device, can lead to smoking combustible cigarettes. There's evidence released recently from Greece, the Athens University, Konstantinos Glinos, who said in a paper published last week in the American Journal of Lung Ailments that... He comes to the conclusion from tests on rats and mice that v electronic devices could indeed be more dangerous than cigarettes. You must look at his data to see how he comes to that conclusion, and he doesn't say definitively they are, but he says they could be. And he tested on mice air, just plain air. Mm -hmm. He tested vapor out of glycoline, uh, glycol propylene, which is the solvent. He tested it with the flavorings and other stuff but no nicotine, and then he tested with all those things and nicotine. And all of them showed, except the air, pure air, showed that there are dangers of lung diseases and inflammations in the lungs and so on. And he did that in the short term, and because mice have shorter lives than human beings, he could do over a period a long-term test to draw conclusions. And the headline of his research says, Using electronic devices could be more dangerous than 
smoking combustible cigarettes. Yeah, and then that word could. You know, we need something a little bit more definitive. Oh, that's... Do you know what I mean? It, it, I it only could, gave you... Yes, I gave you that it research becomes the because, I believe of, yes. of the cigarette company testimony. I gave you that research yeah. and I used the words that he used and yeah. I drew the same conclusion as you did. But they could be worse. But that doesn't mean that they could be harmless. It doesn't mean they are that harmful. They, that they, exactly. And there's absolutely no doubt about that because there's a plethora of good, scientific, plausible, peer-reviewed, published research that shows that using electronic nicotine and non-nicotine delivery systems are harmful to health. Those who sell the products will say, oh, yes, but the products are 95% less harmful than smoking cigarettes. So, okay, they are less harmful, but they're not harmless. They yeah. might be a little safer, but they're not safe. So why do anything like that that could endanger your life? If you're having a bri at your home and the wind blows the smoke towards you, what do you do? Say, oh, wonderful. You don't inhale the smoke. You run away to the other side so you escape the smoke. Actually, now, why should you take a device and shove it directly into your lungs? Yeah. It all comes back down to addiction, hey? The things yes. we do for, for our addictions. Um, unsigned SMS which I want to get to in a minute, Peter. Um, I think we need to answer the the how many uh, chemicals are in tobacco smoke question first before I get to this question about cannabis. Okay. All right. So how many um, chemicals are in tobacco well, smoke? Well, if you go back uh, maybe 10 years, yes. we used to say about 4,000. But be- yes, I told you, think wild, think crazy, think insane. I use those words. That's what we said about 10 years ago. But remember that tobacco companies are adding all sorts of other stuff to cigarettes. Do they add they- stuff to make it more addictive? Yes. Ammonia, for example, as I said, changes the pH, makes the nicotine more addictive. And we now have instruments that can measure more. So the United States Surgeon General about uh, six or seven or eight years ago published in her her report, that was Regina Benjamin, by the way, she published in her her report 7,000 chemicals by her estimation. 7,000 chemicals in cigarette smoke. That's like insane. Now let's get to the poisons, toxins, things that can kill you. About 200. So when you take a puff on a cigarette, you're ingesting about 200 Poisons. And by the way, if you smoke in company, indoor or outdoors or anywhere, even in your own home, your children, your pets, everybody is exposed to those chemicals. Now, as to carcinogens. Yeah, how many are carcinogens? A United Kingdom research about 10 years ago came up with a number 83. So it varies. But 83 when there were only 4,000 chemicals identified. Yes. So it's... It's Could possible be. that it's more. Well, you know, five years earlier, research showed that there, or scientists said that there are at least 46 carcinogens, yeah. or 40, sorry, slip of the tongue. Scientists said that there are at least 40 carcinogens in tobacco smoke. And the United Kingdom came up with that information later that said 83. So you know what? Are we arguing about uh, 40, 50, or 80? I don't want to put anything in my body that has a carcinogen in it that could kill me. I'll give you a statistic, for example. Speak to any um, urologist Mm. or bladder specialist. Mm. They will tell you that of bladder cancers, about, and you know what, anybody can get bladder cancer, right? It's not a very common cancer. 
but anybody could get it in theory. So that you could get lung cancer from exhaust fumes or everything else. But let's stay with bladder cancer at this stage. 95% of newly diagnosed cancer patients are smokers, bladder cancer. So there's a very clear link. Yeah, you and I could get cancer. You are at a much higher risk of the bladder because you smoke. Now, in lung cancer, for example... Some years ago, they kept a record and did an analysis of newly diagnosed lung cancer patients at Curtis Care Hospital. Again, 95% of them were smokers. Yes, non-smokers can get cancer from chemicals they have in work, of what's in the atmosphere, from car exhaust fumes. There's lots of things that might give you cancer. But of all the newly diagnosed lung cancer cases at Hrudis Care Hospital in that year, 95% were smokers. In what year was this? Uh, it was about 12 or 15 years ago. And what's the figure today? I don't know. I've not seen any later research that's done an analysis of that nature. I wonder if even analysis of that nature is required anymore because we know it. It's now absolute, clear, inviable Concrete evidence you know this, that smoking this, causes lung cancer. You know what this cancer. reminds me of, Peter? Um, you know, th- finally, after years and years and years, they've actually proved that cell phone radiation causes cancer and causes tumors. Do you, do you know this? Maybe that's the next thing that you need to add. I haven't read the latest research on that. Certainly I read research maybe five or six years ago. And cell phone radiation. It's actually mind-blowing. And for years and years, I've been hearing, you know, all these technical guys say, no, it wasn't. And and there's no way that it could have been a problem because that cell phone tower was off at the time. And it's actually all nonsense. These are the same arguments that the t- that the t- that the tobacco companies were using. were using in the in the 70s, 80s yeah. and 90s. Well, it might be proven and they might have to take steps or be forced. To no, take well, it has been proven now. Lessen it. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing. Mm. And, 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 and there's still a process of legalization. You know, yes. I mean, I would be devastated <laughs> if, uh, you know, and, and it's a terrible thing to say. If I, if I couldn't get my fix, that's how it feels. I mean, it's completely yes. a crutch. Um, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one who feels like this. Mm. But there are so many things that are so very, very bad for us. And we have to control them in one way or another, and government does. For example, does speeding government. is bad for you, and government controls well, speeding. Speeding is not just bad for you, it's bad for everybody else. But what about alcohol? But so over is 80 smoking. Per, 80, over 80% of our crime statistics, Peter, are linked to alcohol and alcohol consumption. And but the amount deaths. of taxes and the sin tax and the company tax that the government gets paid, you know, it would take away a huge amount of revenue for our government. That's a standard argument of both the tobacco and alcohol industry. But the counter-argument, which is closer to the truth, is that all those things that you've just mentioned about alcohol, and the same applies to tobacco, the road deaths, the carnage, the cost to society, fetal alcohol syndrome. Do you know that we are the highest in the world? Yes. Yes, The highest in the world. Now, it's incurable. An, an infant is born with fetal alcohol syndrome or often or they can't live independently for the rest of their lives no they cure. have huge behavioral problems it's so there's hospital tragic, costs tragic there are massive harms to society yeah. uh, breadwinners get killed in motor car accident Bed, breadwinners uh, die of 
all sorts of alcohol-related diseases and tobacco-related diseases. And the cost to society is much more, much, much more than the income that we derive from the tobacco taxes and the alcohol taxes. Now, the next argument is going to be, oh, yes, but jobs. So let me answer that before someone comes up with that standard argument of the tobacco and alcohol industry. Well, it's a massive industry. Massive. Yes, aren't they? Aren't they just? From the guy who fills up the, um, you know, the, the vending machines to the guy who's selling it on the, you know, the loose, the loose drawers, the loose okay. cigarettes on the side of the street to the guy who's delivering. Now, let's just think about it. The okay. guy who's delivering the cartons. I'll answer that question, but let me give you an a, no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's massive, and the reach is massive. Yes. You know, legal and illegal, plus you're talking and about the farms. And in the, the packaging, farms. and in the designs, and the farmers. And the farmers, well, and the plowing, and the picking, and the drying, and the rolling, and all of that. And a sub- How many things. people around the world do you know are employed by the tobacco industry? No, but they will, argue, they will argue that massive, more, greater number are dependent on the tobacco industry as extended families and so on. Let me answer some of those questions as I can remember them. First of all, industries change. Industries disappear. What about industries that made celluloid film? Yeah. You don't get rolls of film in cameras anymore. Gone. What about the people who manufactured them and packaged them? What about the people who advertised them? Was the celluloid film ever as big as the tobacco industry? It doesn't matter. It does. We're talking about principle. It was huge. It was huge. I can't give you numbers, but it was huge. But Every shopping numbers, center like that you know had a little photo first or some quick service. That sure, would develop your I used film. to work at photo first. Right. Yes. They develop your film that you came back with your spools of holiday pics that you were excited to see. They used to, to make see. copies if they, were very, if they were particularly naughty photos, by yes, the way. Yes, yes. And so <laughs> they developed the spool of film and then they printed them for you. What's happened to that industry? They now print digital stuff, but the celluloid film processing and printing on paper industry is gone. It's dead. All those jobs are lost. So now what's going to happen? Let me ask the farmers. About 20 years ago, we had about 1,600-plus tobacco industry farmers, tobacco farmers in South Africa. Today, we have about 160. What happened to the others, and why did they disappear? The first thing is they disappeared because the tobacco industry was buying cheaper tobacco from other countries like Brazil and India. The second thing is that there are more profitable crops. There are alternative crops to tobacco on which you can make more profit. So that's number one on the farmers. Now on the jobs. If the tobacco industry disappeared tonight, if we woke up tomorrow morning and nobody smoked, mm-hmm. they wouldn't sell another cigarette, mm-hmm. do you think the money would disappear? Everybody quit smoking. and Yes, but those people's jobs would disappear. The guy who delivers cigarette correct. cartons to... Everybody from uh, you know the quick shop at your Correct. at your at your garage to pick and pay to wherever you can buy your cigarettes, that job would no longer be, and there are, there must be hundreds of thousands of people around the world doing that. Yes, but as with farmers, there are alternative crops. As with film, there's now digital and there's other things. Fax machines have gone. There's no jobs in the fax industry. Who repairs them? Who manufactures them? Who makes the paper? Who delivers it? Gone. But whilst those jobs may have disappeared, the money didn't. So the money from the tobacco industry and the tax from the tobacco industry, the same applies to the alcohol industry, doesn't disappear. You would take all the money you smoke. I agree with your argument. Well, it, it, it doesn't disappear. It's still in circulation. So people will spend it on other products. They'll spend it on books and education and housing and holidays 
and all sorts of consumer products, which will then create more demand and more jobs. So the money's not lost. It'll be spent on other things, and the government will still get their tax and their VAT. Very interesting. My guest is Peter Yuko. He is the CEO of the Tobacco Alcohol Gambling Advisory Advocacy and Action Group. Um, I think we need to get you back. This is such a big topic, and this is such a very important conversation to have. Um, I'd love to come back, and I'd love to have some uh, of your listeners who call us and ask us questions. And you know, if they're taxing questions, I love the questions because a few things can happen. If I know the answer, I give it to you, and everybody thinks I'm a clever guy. <laughs> if I don't know the answer, I will find it out, and then I learn more, and then I'll come back and give you the answers, and everybody wins. So questions are great. It doesn't matter how challenging they are. And we can have this debate with listeners. Good, sensible questions. I'd love to come back. All right. Thank you so much. Um, some sensible questions. Ilan says, hi, Kathy. Thanks for the show. Please, can you tell us where we can find the evidence that cell phone towers cause tumors? So... Um, there was a story in the news. I've got to think now. It was, I think it was going back to last week, beginning of last week, or it might have been the end of the week before. Uh, yeah, mind like a goldfish. I don't remember what happened five minutes ago. But um, I will try and find that, Ilan, and I will post it up on the High FM uh, Facebook page. Uh, there's also a lady locally. Her name is Tracy Lee Dorney. She's been looking at, you know, she's got all the all the data and she she walks around with a Geiger monitor so when she comes to when she used to go to our old offices with a zzz, it would it would be buzzing and it would be doing its whole thing because of the radiation um, but she actually tests people but she's she's very much on the you know advocating for the removal of cell phone towers and it's because of her and a show that uh, on high FM that the the cell phone tower outside um, Sandringham Gardens that was between the Yeshiva College Nursery School and Sandringham Gardens was actually taken down and removed. That's interesting, but you know that tobacco cigarettes contain polonium-210. If you put your Geiger monitor oh, next polonium, to that... polonium, of course. Of course. It's okay. radioactive. You see, and then there we go. Um, another very interesting question. Peter, what is your view on government legalizing cannabis use at home and the impact it will have on our youth? And the impact it will have on our pets, darn it. Well, let's first answer it as the yes, government has yes. not legalized cannabis. Cannabis remains illegal. What the Constitutional Court ruled, Judge Zondo, and he upheld Judge Davies' ruling from the Western Cape, is that you may use cannabis in for your private use in your private dwelling, I think Davies said, or your private home, yes. whereas Zondo spoke about your private space. That phraseology still hasn't been... Defined. Defined. We've got to clear it up. Okay. But it's not legalized. It remains illegal. What it has happened, though, is decriminalized, which is a big, big difference. You still can't deal in cannabis. You still can't uh, grow it because, remember, the they law stands. They can regulate the industry for medical use, though. That is already regulated. Yeah. And you can get cannabis products and extracts and oils through the Medical Control Council, by the way, which has now changed its name to SAPRA. It's the South African Pharmaceutical Health products of South Africa, the Regulatory Association of South Africa. So uh, the MCC is gone, but people are familiar with that phrase, and that's why I used it. You can obtain it on application, medical cannabis. No problem. 
It is, however, difficult, and I think that that should be eased. If you need it and it is useful in some aspects, it, it's known to be useful for nausea and a bit of pain relief and that sort of thing, that's great under controlled medical conditions. The problem with cannabis as we have it on the streets is nobody knows what's in there. With a medication, you can be sure that if a, a container or a package insert tells you that this contains drug X uh, 5 milligrams per tablet, then that's the drug that you've got and you can be sure that it's pure and good. With the cannabis products, we can't. We, we need to regulate that better and make them more readily and more easily available, but in controlled circumstances, not wildly. Even cannabis that you might grow at home when the law changes and allows you to do that, there are so many strains of cannabis and so many different growing conditions that you don't know if you have an illegally bought uh, cannabis spiff, whatever it's called, a zol. <laughs> then you don't know the potency of that drug. Oh, cause because there's different strains. Yes. Yeah, so it needs to Malawi be controlled Malawi gold and, and Durban, whatever, and yeah, all of that. Stuff. So uh, those who use cannabis say it's really nice and relaxing, but never forget that it's a mind-altering drug. It causes schizophrenia. It causes all sorts of dangerous medical conditions. And the choice is preferably don't use it. What the court has ruled is that you may now use it for your personal use in your personal space. That still has to be made into law. That's a constitutional court has said that, and the government has got two years to do that. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, Peter? I think it's both of those, because it's a good thing if we make cannabis extracts more readily available for medical use where it can do good. It's a bad thing because it now sounds as if the constitutional court has ruled that smoking cannabis is good for you. Well, I think that's a large part of the perception is that it's, that it's okay and it's… Yes, yeah. and, and that's not what the constitutional court ruled. Yeah. The constitutional court still sees it as a harmful drug and harmful chemicals. We don't want the youth to be misled. Cannabis is not safe and not good. Thank you very, very much. Peter Yuko, that's, uh, who's been my guest for the last hour. He is the CEO of the Tobacco Alcohol Gambling Adv Advisory Advocacy and Action Group. Definitely going to get him back. Ilan, I just um, searched quickly, and this was a news story that um, cell phone radiation can cause cancer. Uh, they've actually established a link between cell phone radiation and cancer. Um, and I'll tell you the articles. Just just do a Google search for it, right? Um, it appeared in Quartz Magazine, The Independent, USA Today, New York Times, Voice of America, NBC News. It also went into newsmedical.net, Metro, Medical Express, News 18. It was very, very widely reported, and uh, that was a breaking story. On the 1st of November 2018, they have found it. They did this testing on male rats, and now don't talk to me about vivisection and how that is fraud, and it's, they found a connection. May I ask, is that the radiation from the cell phone instrument, the smartphone itself, or from Both. the tower? It's the same radiation. Okay. We've got to look at the degrees and so on, but, yeah, there are risks. 100%. So uh, go and check it out, Ilan, and... Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Peter Yuko, look forward to getting you back. My pleasure, and Soon. I am looking forward to come back and chat with you in the new year. Yeah, don't please don't make uh, you know, your New Year's resolution uh, you know, to take up smoking or, God forbid, to start vaping. Oh, gosh, please, please don't. And I just want to tell you something, that uh, our engineer, he's been with us here at High FM since uh, day one. 
when we started at the SABC's name is Craig Guthrie. And Craig, I just want to tell you how very proud I am of you. He gave up smoking three weeks ago, and uh, he has smoked every single day that I have known him. And he smoked a lot. I hope you don't mind me saying that on radio, Craig. It's, you know what? It's actually just the three of us. Having Clean. This well done, Craig. Proud of you. Wonderful. But you really do inspire me. And thank you very, very much. Peter, thank you. And to you, have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless. Stay well. I will see you same time, same place next week. Bye.